just ignore all of that. Don't be distracted by that. I'm in the process of being healed before I go. And the power of God, I believe, is, uh, has already begun to touch me. And it's a matter of walking it out. Amen? Um, as Jeremiah said, we will leave, Lord willing, um, Thursday morning, go to New York to JFK and then continue on to Ghana, West Africa. And um, we'll arrive there the next day. Just want to give you a brief rundown of what our trip will consist of. Anytime that I say this, always know it's subject to change. And uh, but this is but you have to plan. You have to spend time in prayer. You have to pursue the Holy Spirit and ask him what he wants to be done and accomplished. And then you do it to the best of your ability. So when we land on Friday, um, Saturday, we will travel up to the central part of the country and be in a service on Sunday. And then on Monday, continue driving and um, be a total of about 650 miles. It will take probably three days to get there. And um, we will be going overseas. For those of you that uh, heard Pastor John when he was here, he referred to going overseas. It's going over a river, crossing a river, but they call it overseas. And um, John's been going there for a number of years. And we just feel honored that we can go and spend several days there and, and minister to not only the lost, and I'm going to talk about the lost today. It's interesting that Jeremiah mentioned it. Can I just say something before I even start and remind me where I am in my story? Um, I can assure you that Wednesday night at the Harvest Fest, there will be no devil worship going on here. There will not be any. The name of Jesus will be lifted up. And it's going to be lifted up in a lot of different ways. It's going to be lifted up through the drama that will communicate the gospel. The gospel will also be given forth as we show kindness to children and to their parents. There will be no devil worship going on here. None. So anyway, so we're going to go overseas. I'm Pastor John shared the testimony of the first time that he went and had to use a canoe. How many of you remember the story that he shared of the canoe that he had to use to cross? Let me just fill the rest of you in real quick. There was no bridge. Today there is a bridge, and we'll use the bridge to get across. But in that time, there was no bridge. And so you get to the river and you hire someone with a canoe to take you across. And at sundown, the canoes stopped crossing. And they got there, him and one other man got there a little bit late, and the canoes had stopped crossing. And so they stood and they prayed 
And while they were praying, they noticed a man moving on the water coming down the river. And they hollered at him and said, can you take us across? And he, the man agreed. And the man went to the other side, untied the canoe, came across, loaded up their motorcycle. They went across, unloaded, and the man went and tied up his canoe, and the man disappeared. There was no man. And John said that he then got on his motorcycle, and he drove to the next village and found a man that he said, can I sleep in your room tonight because I'm a traveler? And the man agreed. And the next morning when John got up and walked out of the hut, he said there were statues and idols throughout the village. That's what they worshipped. And something stirred within him better known as the Holy Spirit, led him to continue all of these years to go back over there on missions trips and go overseas. And so now there is a group of believers that are in a few different villages and will be with them. John is also planning to hire a truck and take food as well as members from his church and so in the morning, we'll be doing like a spiritual emphasis for the Christian workers and the Christians that are there in the church. And then at night, we'll be holding open air crusades in the villages, in the different villages, winning people to Christ. Then we have the 700 mile drive back down to the capital city and be home with you guys. That's what the plan is. But I told the Holy Spirit, I said, I'm not going to go all of that way. And I'm not going to spend all of that money. And I'm not going to use all of that time. Unless you anoint us to do your work. Because this isn't about me. It's not about David Santiago and Philip Vitito is also going with us. It's not about us. It's about him. I've learned a long time ago, never let your life just be about you. Make it worthwhile. Make it meaningful. And let God use you and touch you so, and encounter you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. To someone else. And so that's what, that's what the plan is. Still don't have all the uh, transportation worked out. Maybe we'll just have to go to the town and find a donkey and tell the master we have need of this donkey. I believe God will work all of that out. I know that he will. <coughs> I just want to share with you just for a few moments about the lost. We come in here to church and we have wonderful services and that's all good and worship is all good and encountering God is all good and all of that. But what about the lost? What are we going to do about the lost? 
You see, we each have a responsibility. And I know some of you are, are putting up the excuses, putting it up. Well, I don't preach. Well, I don't know how, I'm not a good singer. Well, you know, I'm shy and I'm afraid to talk to people. And you put all of this up. You notice Jesus never said, if you're a preacher, only you are allowed to reach the lost. He never said that. Never said, well, if your personality is outgoing and, and you've got this vibrant excitement going on, well, then you reach the lost. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. My dad is here, my sister and her husband are in from Italy, and they will remember this woman from Africa. Her name was Mashetu, short woman, old woman. She didn't wear shoes very often, so her feet were flat, calluses. But when she would dance before the Lord, she would stomp her foot and those flat feet would pound. And, but she would worship God. Didn't have all of her teeth in her mouth. But a woman of God. You've seen it on National Geographic. Some of these tribes, their dance is different than what we're used to. But when it came time to worship, she would not only sing, but without teeth but she would dance with all of her might. Very godly woman. I have a quote from her. Now, it's not the normal John Piper quote. It's not the Smith Wigglesworth. It's not going to be anything like that, but listen to her quote. Every African chief would fight for the life of his son but the great chief would give his son to die for us. Let me say it one more time. Every African chief would fight for the life of his son, but the great chief gave his son to die for us. You see, the last command that Jesus gave us was go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's found in Mark 16. And many times we think that that go into all the world, that it's to the furthest places. It does include that. It does include that. But it also includes Lakeland, Florida. Not everybody is called to go to the ends of the earth per se. Not everyone is called to the city of Lakeland lost. But we're all to do our part as the Holy Spirit leads us. One version says, as you go throughout the world, proclaim the good news to all creatures. In other words, because it's a command, it's implied that you go. That it's not a choice. It's not... It's not, well, what do you think about it? Do you think that I really fit with this culture or don't I fit with this culture? It doesn't have anything to do with that. It says, as you go. So we can be outside of these doors and down these streets 
or it can be 19-hour flight. Thank God I'm not, this trip is not a 19-hour flight, but there are 19 and 21-hour flights, and I think there's one more. I think it's like 26 hours. So it includes, it starts right here in Lakeland, and it encompasses the globe. Another version says, you must go throughout the world, the whole world, and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Jeremiah referred to Brandon and, and Isaac and um, Sarah in Iraq. It's, it's part of it. It's part of it. And when you send somebody, you give towards and you pray for someone that's going, you're part of it. You're part of it. But don't limit yourself just to giving or just to praying. Ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe he wants you. Maybe he would orchestrate a time and a way for you to actually go to a different region of the world. So we find here that his last command was not a suggestion. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't, okay, guys, we'll get in the room and we'll vote on it and we'll see whether we really want to participate in this or not. No, it's not that. My question today is, when will the church make Jesus' last command a top priority? When, when, when will we do it? I'm not saying that we're not doing anything. Please, please don't take it that way. I'm trying to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit what else he wants you to do. See, we can live life here in America and we can... We can have a great job, thank God for that, and our families around and, and all that, but I'm back to the same question. What about the lost? What about them? Because you see, there's lost people all around you and me. Yes, we can go to Africa and they're there, but they're around you, and you're not in Africa, you're in Lakeland today, in case you were wondering. They're in your neighborhoods they're down the street. They're beside your house. They're in your schools. They're downtown. They're in downtown Lakeland. Can I tell you that today? There are lost people in downtown Lakeland. They're at your gas station. They're in your travels. I'm reminded Isaac's not here today, but he asked me one day, "Can I can I just go with you as you do work?" And so we, I needed to go to Georgia, and um, so I took him with me, and we made a loop through Georgia, and we were on our way back, and we had just crossed over the state line, and I was in talking to a customer, and um, when I came back out to the truck, he, I jumped in the truck, and he wasn't in the truck, and, you know, I started looking, and I glanced over across the parking lot where there was a shopping plaza and there stood Isaac beside a red pickup truck. And the, guy's win the guy was in the truck, the window was down, and Isaac standing up at the window praying for this man. 
And so I just waited. Isaac finished up and came back to the truck, and I said, I said, uh, did you, was that somebody that you knew? Oh, no. Oh, no. I said, well, what was going on? Oh, I saw him, and I thought I needed, felt impressed to go and pray for him. So while the, the man was in his truck driving to leave the parking lot, Isaac stopped him and just prayed with him. No big deal. Got back in my truck, and down the road we went. Lost people are all around you. But the question is, is when are we going to make it a priority to us? There could be lost people in the congregation today. You may be here and you feel terribly lost. Maybe not only you don't, you've never experienced Jesus in your life, but maybe your life is just horrible. You see, being lost is a terrible feeling. Think back when you were lost. It's a bad situation to be in. It's, 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 a, it's a place where hopelessness floods your mind. I was up in the panhandle last week and, and the utter devastation. I think it, the week before last. Our weeks run together. And... Um, the utter devastation up there and, and the people with just this hopelessness. They, they, they don't even know where to begin to rebuild or to leave or what do I do first? Do I call the insurance agent? Do I cut the tree off of my house or do I need to leave it there so that the adjuster can take pictures? And I mean, just they don't have a clue. They're hopeless. And fortunately, there's team after team after team that's flooding in there and helping them as quickly as they can. That's one thing about America. America bands together whenever there's tragedy. And it doesn't, not only when there's tragedy in America, but even around the world. May we never lose that. May we never lose that. Depression, when you're lost, depression overwhelms you. You feel weak. You feel like you've lost all strength. You feel like you're trapped. Maybe that there's a net that's you know, grabbed your ankles or your feet and you feel like you can't get out. I love it in Psalms 31. Pull me out of the net which the enemy has secretly laid for me for you are my strength. You are my strength. In Psalms 40, let me just read this to you. I waited patiently expectantly on the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry he drew me up out of a horrible pit a pit of destruction and out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock steadying my steps and establishing my goings and he has put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our God. Many shall hear my worship to you and put their trust and confidence in the Lord. As God pulls you out of the pit, 
the place in which you found yourself when you were lost. You see, it's good to take to stop and take time to think about where you were versus where you are today. There's too many Christians who say, who think to themselves, well, I didn't live that kind of a lifestyle and I wasn't, quote, that bad. Can I tell you the end of the road without God is hell? It's hell. You don't have to murder somebody to wind up in hell. You can be filled with pride and arrogance and end up in hell. I often do this, and I challenge my kids, think about things. Think about where you were. Think about what you believe in. Think about these things. Don't take them for granted. Don't take them for granted. And so I just want to take just a moment. Hold steady, everybody. I, I want, I, let me have that microphone. I want to I just take a moment. I want to ask Enrico to come up here and join me. And, um, because I, I want them to share with you where they were versus where they are today. Because many times we come to church, we don't know. We don't know the person next to us. We don't know what they went through. We don't know what God's brought them out of. But come come stand up here. Will, come up here. Stephanie, come up here. And just, just take just a few minutes. Just tell us where you were in your lost state when Jesus came and encountered you and what he did for you. Uh, uh, my life was so jacked up that 
to the world in the cross. I didn't get baptized because I wanted to know Jesus, but in order for me to get next to the girls that were in the cross, you had to get baptized in order for me to get in the cross. So I did that on faith. I want to know Jesus, my Lord and Savior. But it was only to get with them. But the day that I had my encounter with Jesus, I had all these drugs in my car, my homeboys, everybody around. And hey! And that day, it was like the lady that was forgiven of all her sins. When they, they looked at her and she's crying at Jesus' feet and she's wiping his feet. Amen. You see, to take time to remember where you came from so that you don't take it for granted. How can somebody like Enrico take it for granted when the end of his road was hell? Was hell. And we see him around here today worshiping with us and, and all of that. And we see, now we know the change that took place, the evidence of that encounter. Will?
Amen. You guys can go back to your seats. Does that, does that encourage you? I don't know what it does to you. But I didn't have that lifestyle. But just to hear them share where they've come out of. Eduardo, come here. Come here. I want one, one more. One more. Come, come right here. Just what we're doing in case, I don't know how long you've been over there, but what we're doing is we're just taking just a couple minutes just to share where we were before we met God 
versus where we are now and what he did for you. Well, I've known James for 10 years.
And as, as, as these guys were sharing and Steph was sharing, I know it, it stirred within you as you reflected back. You know, that's what keeps you sharp. Never forgetting where you came from. Never forgetting what he pulled you out of. Never forgetting how he came through for you. Keeps you sharp. Never taking it for granted. And so many times we in the church, we, we, oh, that's the past, and we forget the past, and God's forgotten the past. Yeah, He has, but can you use it for Him? See, God can take all of the bad and make something beautiful out of it, as you saw this morning. Too many times we just shove it away and lock it up and all that. I'm not, I'm not talking about being hung up on it, on your past. I'm talking about being free from your past, but never forgetting the poison that you were in. As I said before, there's lost people in Africa, but there's lost people right here all around me. And if you aren't seeing them, I dare you to ask God to show them to you. Well, I don't know anybody that's lost. Really? Just ask God to show you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. And again, it's not a matter, it's not just all in preaching. It's in living a life 100% for God. 
In other words, you don't live one way here and a different way out there. You don't talk one way here and then talk trash out there. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to use us any way possible. Dad had a friend in Africa who was a taxi driver. His name was Fashane. I won't ask you to repeat that. Whenever Dad would go to the city, he'd see him and they'd maybe pass each other on the street and stop and greet each other. They became good friends. And one day, Dad asked Fashane to take him to the airport because he had to fly south and in the vehicle while they were driving, Dad again witnessed to him. And here's what Fashani told Dad. He said, if only I had heard of Jesus before I became a Muslim, why didn't you send me the truth earlier? And Dad explained to him that the two of them were pretty much the same age and that dad had done everything that he could to get to the mission field as quick as he could and he had gone to Bible school and pastored and, and all of that but he, he did, the, did it as quick as he could because of the calling that was on his life. And Fashani said why didn't you come sooner and tell me because now I've already become a Muslim. And I remember Dad telling me, he began to ask questions in his heart. This is Dad. But where were all the Christians that were here before me? Surely I wasn't the only one or the first one with the truth of the gospel. Can I tell you today, there's people all around us participating in all kinds of religions other than Jesus. They're into materialism. They're into lawlessness. Lawlessness. They're into secularism. They're into self-promotion. They worship what they are, who they are, and what they have, and material things. They're all around you. They're everywhere. Everywhere. I know that today I'm not saying something that's exciting or something that's, you know, but I trust that in your heart you'll ponder these things and ask the Holy Spirit to move you. They're in Africa. They're in America. They're in Lakeland. They're right down this street right here. I'm going to challenge you to take the responsibility of the gospel for yourself. I'm going to challenge you to live for God 100%. I'm going to challenge you to do what the Bible says. I'm going to tell you to be genuine in your walk with God.
And as you do that, he will open opportunities for you to share. Just talk as a friend, not preach down your nose at somebody. But be a friend and share the gospel. It was Jesus' last command that I believe we need to make our priority. Jeremiah.